Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the 4Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and this week I'm joined by Julie Williams, and we are going to be talking about the Augusta National Women's Amateur, which is going to be taking place this week in Augusta, Georgia. And beyond talking about just the amazing match from back in 2019 between Jennifer Cupcho and Maria Fossi, we go into a deep discussion about what this tournament means, how it is attracting you know, so much attention, obviously more attention than just about any other women's amateur event that is going to not just be televised, but is maybe going to be taking place in the United States. So Julie and I talked quite a bit about some of the women who are going to be contending, about the format, about, unfortunately, some of the women who are not going to be competing because they have recently tested positive for the COVID-19. Um, lots and lots of in-depth stuff from Julie, who is sincerely one of the best people around when it comes to talking about amateur golf, especially women's amateur golf. So it's Anwa week this week, and here we go. Now joining me is Julie Williams. Julie is the foremost authority. I bet you guys didn't know this. The foremost authority on amateur golf that there is in the world. Um, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, Julie, but not by much. Yeah, you should take it. <laughs> go, go ahead. Run with it. I, I would okay. take it. If, um, but you know, you have forgotten more this afternoon about amateur golf than I am going to probably be learning. Although I'm really trying to get into the Augusta National Women's Amateur, which is I'm glad on a Sunday evening we're having a chance to chat about this. Um, not to sort of bury the real lead, but you're going to be driving down, if I'm not mistaken, to West Palm Beach, Florida, and playing a rather nice golf course tomorrow. Uh, what, what are you doing tomorrow? That's right. Tomorrow is Walker Cup Media Day, so I'm going to go down and get a look at Seminole Golf Club uh, in person for the first time. And you're bringing your sticks? I'm bringing my clubs, yes. Oh, man, <laughs> man. Have you been playing at all? Are you amped for this? I mean, like, obviously the Walker Cup is going to be a really special event that we're going to see in May. And I'm really excited for that. But have you been to Seminole before? I've never been to Seminole. Never never seen it except on TV last May. I hear it's nice. That's <laughs> that's the word. So we'll see. It's the last. It's that There are only like, so I'm not a huge fan of Florida golf in general. There's some really challenging golf courses. And I think there's some places that are pretty fun. Calusa Pines in Naples, I've had a chance to play. And that was really special. That was fantastic. Seminole is the last one in Florida that I have not had a chance to play that's really high up on my bucket list. So I'm insanely jealous that you're getting a chance to do that. And then you're making the long drive, possibly splitting into two days and going up to Augusta, Georgia. And so you're going to be on site at the Augusta National Women's Amwa, uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur, which will be referred to very often as the Anwa within this. They need a name that rolls off the tongue a little I bit. I kind of like it, An Anwa. Well, no, Anwa, cool. Anwa is perfect. Oh, yeah. Augusta National Women's Amateur is a little bit much, but it, it kind of is what it is. You were the first one. Tell me what you remember most. What are, When people talk about that event, what immediately flashes into your mind from back in 2019? 
I just remember how excited all of the girls were. I mean, it was like uh, a level of excitement bordering on, you, you know, they, they do this all the time, right? They don't do it for a living, they're amateurs, but they're, they're so used to playing in tournaments that are college tournaments, amateur tournaments, they've been doing the junior circuit. So like tournament play is not a big deal, but they were like buzzing that week. And there was this sense that everybody was paying attention which is never the case in women's amateur golf. And, you know, I feel like I'm saying that very honestly as a female amateur and a female reporter, but you just never get that kind of buzz around a women's event. And so it was just really cool that everybody was watching them that week. And I think they were really aware of that. Do you think that the level of golf that week from what you saw, now we, a lot of people are going to remember Jennifer Cupcho winning in the championship match, which was really remarkable. She was unbelievable down the stretch. If, I'm, if I've got it right, she was five under over the last six holes to win the match um, or something something along those lines against Maria Fauci. Was, was the overall level of play at that tournament, did that match your expectation and what you expected to see? Did the women overachieve a little bit because of the event or – was it, in your opinion, maybe some of them, the stage got a little bit big? I think that's I think that's what I was used to seeing, right? So that didn't surprise me at all. But I think people who don't watch that level of play maybe were surprised. But, but the other thing was the last round, and particularly Jennifer and Maria coming down the stretch, I think, A, it was a product of the course was set up, you know, perfectly. It, it was set up for them to be able to have the same shots that the men had. We've been talking about this a lot lately, especially because of the story that Beth Ann Nichols just wrote. But I mean, you want to talk about course setup where they nailed it for the women. That is top of the list, Augusta National on Saturday. But I think also those two rose to the occasion. I think they kind of knew what was on the line that day and they're, they're buddies anyway. Um, they're Maria is a big personality. Jennifer is has big game. It just, it all played out perfectly. Was it surprising to me? No. Did they meet the stage? Absolutely. I, I just have, I'm remarkable. Every time when I see elite amateur players competing in events like that or Walker Cup or Porter Cup or some of these different things where they get the best, that, that they can compose themselves oftentimes seemingly as well as the professionals. Now, I realize that they're not professional golfers. Many of them are students. Some of them would be referred to as almost like mid-ams. I mean, they're post-college. They have decided that professional golf is not going to be their career, but they still have enough game to be able to comport yourself and hold it together, especially given the fact that this was the first Augusta National Women's Amateur, the fact that you're playing those final matches on Augusta National Golf Club. Um, that you're doing that and to be able to hold it together to me is remarkable because all of them almost to a, to a person have said that they watch the tournament every year, oftentimes with family. Some of them have had a chance to be spectators and the first one, especially the gravity of the moment, they're setting the bar for all the women who will come behind them. And clearly the bar has been set very, very high. Is that something also that you you've just gotten used to seeing people to be able to handle pressure like that at the biggest events that well? Oh, yeah. And I see it like at the women, U.S. Women's Amateur because there you're in a head-to-head -head format, which was basically what Jennifer and Maria did coming yeah. down the stretch. They, they were playing a head-to-head -head match, it felt like at times. But I often see that happen in the Women's Amateur where you have to pull off a shot. You need birdie here or you're going home. You know, you, you get to dormy or whatever. And, and so 
I think it was just highlighted really well. But but yeah, absolutely. And and you know, it's same thing in college golf, right? It's funny because when these women play college tournaments, right? You, you could have like a seven shot lead, you know, through one hole, and then the next, you know, the next hole, depending on what everyone else on your roster has done, you know, okay, now you're tied with the team behind you. You know, it, it just it fluctuates so quickly. So I think they're very aware of every shot, every hole. They do this. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> unbelievable. So for people who may not be familiar, obviously the entire tournament is not played at Augusta National Golf Club. Walk people through the through the course of what's going to happen over the course of this week and how things are going to play out. What's what's the system? Okay, so we're going to have thirty six holes um, starting on Wednesday. So Wednesday and Thursday they're going to play eighteen holes apiece at Champions Retreat Club, which is no slouch, a really cool venue, kind of across town, um, and. I think probably the biggest learning curve from last time, 2019, was that you you really are going to have to have your game to get through that place. Like that's not a place where you can get there and start, you know, trying to guide the ball. You're nervous. You really want to make the cut, get to play at Augusta National, and, and get through that place. So that course is a challenge in itself. So we're going to cut to 30 players at the end of Thursday evening there, and if and if they don't have a clean break for 30, they will play off to get to a an exact 30, um, which was pretty exciting last time. I think they had like 11 or 12 players in that playoff um, for just a very few spots. So that was exciting. So, okay. So by the time we make our cut to 30, we're still going to bring back, I think we're, we're at um, 81 women now, 81 or 82. We'll we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, the full field is going to come back on Friday and play a practice round of Augusta national. And then the 30 who made the cut get to compete in the final round at Augusta National on Saturday. So it's kind of a weird practice yeah. round in the middle there. But and, and some people criticized that last time and maybe still have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. They're getting to play Augusta National. I think it, yeah. it's you know it's odd, but it works. Um, so so that's going to be the format. We'll crown a winner on Saturday afternoon. So imagine that like you were in the mix. For in a playoff um, at Augusta Retreat, at, at, at Retreat, Champions Retreat, and like a genie pops out of a bottle and says, Hey, I, you, you can work your way. You're going to be player number 30. It's going to cost you your little pinky toe on your right foot. Would you do it? No, because I know I'm going to get to play Augusta National on Friday. And I, <laughs> I like need, my I 10 need, toes. <laughs> I need 10 toes. I just think like, the shoes offer a lot of stability, like what people would be willing to give up. I mean, like, yeah. You know, you've probably got like an extra rib or something like like a floating rib. Like, okay, do I absolutely have to have that? I'm like, well, well, I'd like to keep all my parts and everything. Like yes. That. But but again, it's like sort of getting back to the pressure that a player has to feel in that situation and the nerves that have to come over. And I don't care how many, you know, sports psychologists, the, you know, some of these players have that read the books that they've read, the experience. Nothing can prepare you for that. How do no. you possibly... Now, are they allowed to have many of them? I would imagine have either parents or coaches on the bag. What What do you say to them? Somebody like in this, like when did you talk to anybody after that playoff? They must have just been devastated. You know, the, there there were some, I think, some crushing blows that day. Oh. I mean, it is it is the most nerve wracking cut in women's amateur golf for sure. Maybe in women's golf period, you know, because it, you want to play the weekend at the women's open or at a major, yes, but. There's something different on the line here because I would argue that if you make the cut and you play Saturday, you're one of those 30 women. 
it's more exposure than you will get at any point in your career. If you turn professional and play LPGA golf, you're going to get more exposure for certainly for winning the ANWA than you may ever get again. And I think a lot of these girls who are especially leaning toward a, a pro career and soon absolutely get that. Yeah. No, I mean, the exposure that they can get and then parlay into either sponsor invites or, you know, possibly into sponsorships and endorsement deals, just something mm -hmm. to get the ball rolling so they've got enough money to get out there and play Symmetra Tour, to play wherever the heck they're going to play to get the ball rolling towards the LPGA Tour. I think you're right. I, I think that they probably are all very cognizant of that. You bring up something, though, that's that's kind of an interesting point in that this is obviously the Augusta National Women's Amateur is going to be this week. The ANA inspiration is also taking place all the way across the country. This is the first LPGA Tour major. There two events are going to go on simultaneously. Um, there have been players, one player that we'll talk to a little bit more about in, in a second here, but Ro Zhang had an opportunity to play in the ANA and said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to Augusta. Um, how much do you think this sort of plays into the balance of these two events going on simultaneously. Is it really important for, in some ways, the LPGA Tour to, you know, almost outbuzz if that's going to be possible, the Augusta National Women's Amateur? Because at some point or another, the very best amateurs may have an opportunity to play in an LPGA major. And we're now seeing a pattern of like, well, at least with one, with Rose, who's saying, no, thanks, I'm going to go play in Georgia at Augusta. Yeah, I'll, I'll back up a little because two years ago, that wasn't quite the case. Rose actually, um, she did play in Augusta, but mm -hmm. coming up in uh, 2020, okay, so, you know, after after that initial tournament, um, yeah. there were several kids, there were five or six who, who said, no, thank you, I've played ANWA already, or I think I'll get to play it again, mm -hmm. and actually chose ANA. So okay. I think what you're seeing this time is a lot of those girls who gave up the ANWA and we're choosing ANA this time said, I'm going with the ANWA this time. I don't, I, I'm kind of sad to see them go head to head. I think everybody in women's golf is because the ANWA is such a win, but also the ANA was such a win because they allowed five or six amateurs every year. They, they welcomed and invited these women. So that was a place where players, juniors, they invited a mid-amateur, Megan Stassi. That's probably been nine or 10 years ago, but like they were very welcoming to women's amateurs. Mm -hmm always reserved spots in their field. And so you just hate to see it. It's counterproductive for us for them to go up against each other. But at the same time, you know, to be realistic, there aren't a lot of options. The ANA is really stuck on that date. They've been the first major, you know, for yep. several, several years. You're a little bit pinned in when you're playing in the desert. That That's a good week for them. They've got a lot of their, you know, snowbirds and retirees who are out there this time of year. And I think everybody kind of realizes that, if, if there's going to be an Augusta National Women's Amateur, it's, it's going to be the week before the Masters. That's when it's going to happen. Yep. So so I think it's just like neither one of these is, is really has a lot of wiggle room and leeway. So if we're being totally honest, I don't see either one moving in the near future. I, I think for several years, this is going to be it. And eventually, you know, we maybe will find a workaround. But I mean, it is. From where I'm sitting, it's just it's just disappointing a little bit that that you can't have the full win. You know, you, you've you've got these two great events, but they've got to go up against each other. And, and in terms of can the ANA out hype the ANWA? I mean, maybe they have a fantastic finish on Sunday. I think the yep. best you hope for is people are really pumped watching the A or watching the ANWA on Saturday. 
and you carry over and you watch the, the final round on Sunday. You hope that they've got a good storyline going into the final round. But I think that's going to be the biggest win this next so weekend. If if 11-year-old right now, Lindsay Dusak, who started picking up golf last year, were to get to this level, the advice that I would give to her as dad would be, number one, do not do anything like I do as far as playing on the golf course. <laughs> that sort of goes without saying. Um, but I think that your amateur career is finite. And if mm -hmm. you're someone who's who's reached the level where you're competing at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, you're playing at elite level college golf, women's amateur golf, and professional golf might be on the horizon. There are no guarantees that you're going to be qualifying for U.S. Women's Opens, for all, all the other major championships and getting to the highest level in the LPGA Tour. You only have realistically so many opportunities to play the ANWA. If you're at that level, you're probably going to have a longer, you know, spread when you're going to be able to get into the ANA inspiration. You're going to be able to play in some of these other events that once you turn pro, the ANWA is gone. That opportunity for women, I'm imagining, is probably about a two to three year window where you're good enough to qualify that everything sort of domino effects right. You are, you know, a collegiate player. You've earned your way in. And you're keeping your amateur status. Now, there are some women who have maintained their amateur status that we're going to get to in order to play this. And, and they've made no bones about it. Um, what the danger is, of course, in the year of COVID is that some players, unfortunately, stuck around and they're not going to be able to play. Three University of Texas players have now withdrawn from the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday evening. And unfortunately, now um, Haley Cooper from UT has withdrawn. Caitlin Papp, um, Agatha Lazney have also been forced after testing positive for COVID-19 to come out. What, if anything, do you know about this? Or is it, again, it must be absolutely devastating to hear this. Do you know if they're going to substitute for them in the field? So um, our Bethany Nichols is reporting on this and following this pretty closely. Um, and, and so I know, you know, what you know pretty much at this point, yeah. David, but I do remember two years ago, there was a, a withdrawal. It wasn't quite this late in 2019 mm. and they did, it was an injury and they did replace that player in the field. If I had to guess, I would say they're likely not going to replace them because, um, you know, many players will be traveling there on Monday and tomorrow. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, with the COVID testing, I, I'm guessing that, we are where we are and we won't replace players, but I mean, it just, it's gut wrenching because this is the thing everybody oh. looks forward to. And, and so Caitlin Papp would have been, she tied for fifth in 2019. So she would have been one of the um, top returners and a gap made the cut. Um, and I believe Haley would have been a first time um, competitor. Yeah. So just. And Caitlin Papp had a really, had a really strong showing of champions. I mean, like she was yes. right there and competed really well at the U S women's open back in November. Favorite. She was absolutely a favorite. When one of your short lists, you know, I could see her carrying off the title and, and, you know, she knows where her game is. She, she's got mm -hmm. to know that, you know, I think she's a, a very humble player, but I would guess she knows what, what yeah. she probably could have done. I, I just look at this as a situation sort of like what we just saw with the NCAA basketball championship, um, where, once you know you're sort of going to be in the situation, you have got to get into the tightest, strongest bubble. And I'm not saying that the women who were at the University of Texas were careless or that something. I mean, we have seen that this virus can be transmitted so easily and you can 
um, the way that Beth Ann was reporting it out is, is that Caitlin Papp actually received her first vaccine last Monday, started feeling bad, got tested and found out, I, I think within 24 hours, that she actually tested positive after having just received her first vaccine, um, which is devastating. So they're trying to do the right thing, get vaccinated, I would assume. But um, yeah, they're playing college golf all along, you know, so yeah. so you can't ditch your team for two weeks and try and, you know, close your bubble because especially at this time of year, everybody's paying attention to rankings and trying to jockey into a position where they're going to be in good shape for the postseason. So, so you know, you're going to miss a week for the annual. You, you can't you can't miss three or four weeks in the spring. I, so, so credit to them that they were continue to play with their team. It's 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 crazy how some of these things work out. Um a tangent that was sort of similar. I went to St. Lawrence University, a hockey school, and we ended up upsetting Quinnipiac University last week to win the ECAC conference championship. We had a losing record. Now, the Ivy Leagues, who we normally play with in, in the ECAC, chose not to do any sports through the winter, and they're not doing any sports in the spring. There's no Ivy League golf, for example, this spring. The Winning the ECAC championship carried with it an automatic berth into the NCAA hockey tournament. Only 16 teams get in. We had no right to be there. But all of a sudden, like Cinderella signs, and here we are. Within 24 hours, our coach, not the players, the coach tested positive for COVID. And the team had to give up their spot, and Quinnipiac got to go. And it just shows, like, how, you know, everything is just treacherous at this point. Like, we have – it feels like we're right on the cusp with sport of getting to where we all want to be, of being yes. able to get competitions. And depending on the states, we're starting to see spectators in small numbers, but spectators are there. But we're not there yet, and yeah. it's 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 really hard. You're going to be going obviously to Augusta. What what is the testing protocol for you as a member of the media? So I'll have to test when I get on the grounds on Tuesday, um, and you know, fingers crossed, there's a <laughs> negative yeah. test. And you know, but it, it's it's everybody is facing it. You know, you just you hope that you've been careful enough, and yeah. and you also realize I think that was the other thing that Kaylin Papp said that was very impressive because what an emotional thing to get knocked out of this tournament. And, and I thought it was, you know, she is a mature person and player and, and noted, you know, so many people have had worse effects from this virus yeah. than get, you know, missing a tournament that you wanted to play or missing yeah. a tournament that I want to cover. So you, you hope for the best and just realize, man, it's a weird year. Um, one of the interesting things um, that, that I saw from Haley Cooper, that she put out a quote on social media. I'm going to read to you now, and I want to sort of get your reaction to this. She said, I'll be watching and rooting for all, all of you on. Uh, I hope that I'll have an opportunity to come back next year and finally compete against the best in the world. That little kicker there at the end got my eyebrows going. As far as women's amateur golf, and we've talked a lot about this now, is, is this the most, is this the preeminent, tournament for women's amateur golf is this in your mind amongst the players who have a realistic chance to win them is this a higher tournament now on the totem pole than the u.s women's am yes yeah and i i say that obviously with not a lot of hesitation and the women's amateur is it's still a big carrot and sure and so you win the annual you know if you're gonna stay an amateur which I'll be very interested to see if as more of these are played, if anyone ever actually wins and remains an amateur, because mm. what a good bit of momentum to then turn pro the next day, you know? So, so I would guess that's the trend we're going to see. So, so it probably doesn't matter all that much that if you win the annual, you get to, you know, instantly you get in the field the next year. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you're, you're probably pretty safely in anyway, but 
so you win the women's amateur, you get a U.S. Women's Open birth. So, so I would say, you know, you get something, maybe a little more sure. for winning sure. the women's amateur. You also get into a lot of um, majors. I believe you get into the women's British, and I women's believe British, you get yep. into the. Um, you're probably going to get an invitation into the ANA, which again goes up against ANWA, and I believe you get into the uh, Evian. So, so you have a nice lineup, and and that's what you see a lot of times. Um, the women's amateur winner too. It it changes the course of their career. A lot of times you see that, you know, they go professional a lot quicker, maybe not right away because you want to reap those benefits, but they often don't stay amateur for very long after that. So. So the carrots are a little bit different, but to win at Augusta National, I think just means, I mean, we get some fabulous venues for the women's amateur, they, they, the U.S. women's amateur. They do a really nice job of, of selecting venues and they're always first class and it's a great mm-hmm. event, but there is, it, there is it, no Augusta National. It, yeah. There's only one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of like when the women's British amateur, like if it's going to be played at St. Andrews, like, okay. Yes, you know, Kings Barnes is great and, and Carnoustie is wonderful and Royal Lytham St. Okay, great. There, there's only one of that. There's only one St. Andrews. There's only one uh, Augusta National. All right, let's talk about some women who have an opportunity realistically to win this. We mentioned the U.S. Women's Amateur Championship. Rose Zhang has won that tournament. She's won three AJGA Invitationals, uh, finished 11th at the ANA Inspiration last year. And just lost in a playoff in a Symmetra Tour event. I mean, I'm not going to say that we should just hand her the, the the thing now, but is is anybody else coming into this thing hotter than her? Uh, you know, Rose is very, very high on the list. Uh, she's an <laughs> excellent player, very mature for a 17-year-old. Uh, somebody else I'm looking at is an Arizona State sophomore, Lynn Grant. She yep. has won three of her last four tournaments. I just checked Goffstad, actually. She was playing one at home that the – the that Arizona State was hosting, and, and she did not win. So she had won the three previous to that. She played well at the Women's Open, too, in December. Um, and then and then the other kind of the third player who really impresses me, and, and she spent, like, she didn't qualify for uh, the 2019 annual, which is kind of surprising because in 2020 she spent 34 weeks ranked at the top of the World Amateur Golf rank, Ranking. Her name is Pauline Roussin Bouchard. She's uh, from France, plays for South Carolina. Super fierce player, really good, very intense scores. I I like her chances. <laughs> I, I I've I've never seen her. I don't know her. I like her already. As mm-hmm. soon as you say you know fierce goes like I have these mental images of the classic French tennis players and the shot makers and just the passion that the French play their sports when they decide that something goes bad then the world is just against them everything is just terrible but yet when they pull off shots the artistry of french athletes what the joy and the passion that comes out and this is obviously enormous stereotyping and i'm gonna go with it anyways i don't care i'm gonna be fully supporting of her i'm gonna be looking at but it's nothing like us just basically pulling out the number one of the new number two players in the world amateur rankings is, is the lead i mean um any other players that you can think of off the top of your head that maybe aren't right up there that you think, yeah, you know what? This is somebody that sort of from the background can really play. I wouldn't be surprised if she was a factor come Saturday afternoon. You know, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, but but here, here's kind of a storyline that okay. I like. And sure. it, it's, a, it's a group of women. So you – 
know that spring sport athletes were granted an extra year of eligibility from the NCAA. Um, and so golf were, golfers are included in that. So there are 10 women who are in their fifth year of college who are going to compete in the ANWA. And um, a few of them were kind of grandfathered in because they earned an invitation in 2020. They would not have earned one in 2021. A few of them had not earned an invitation at all. So by staying amateur, they got to play this year and wouldn't have otherwise. Um, one of those players is Kenzie Wright. She plays for Alabama. She's a transfer from SMU. She's another player who, you know, she would be someone who, if you said, you know, someone a little bit off the radar, you know, she's not a top 10 or top 15 ranked college player. Um, interestingly, she she uh, she told Beth Ann Nichols um, a couple weeks ago, which I thought was funny, that she was preparing for the tight lives at Augusta. She was chipping on the putting green at Alabama and, and said, that. you know, the coach is not going to be real excited to hear this. But, hey, you better do what you got to do. You're a fifth-year fifth senior. That coach yes. is in your rear-view mirror in a couple weeks. Who That's cares? Right. Ship wherever the hell you want. Go ahead. He'll, he'll appreciate it, I think. Um, but yes. she, And she told me last spring, you know, she was one who said, I am remaining an amateur because I want to play Augusta, you know, in the yeah. story. She wants to come back and play with her team, too, obviously. But And there were a lot of players in that group. I, I talked to four of them um, over the last couple of weeks who said, yeah, I wanted to come back to college. You know, that was a big thing for me. But the ANWA was also a huge element in deciding, am I going to turn pro? Where do I have to play? Because there was no Q school this year. Yep. Um, some of them had some, some symmetric status. There was even one player. She's actually the only uh, Division II player in the field. I can't pronounce her last name, but her name's Kira from the University of Tampa. We can just go with that. And she had symmetric status, and she came back and played a fifth year anyway. And then she was one who, who will play the ANWA for the first time. So I think that's a really interesting storyline. You know, a second chance is kind of dangerous, and a lot of these players are getting this second chance. I, what I a great story great. that would be. The, the hidden story and everything you're sort of describing there, and this is it, – it really doesn't have anything to do specifically with the Augusta National Women's Amateur, but I think it's something uh, from a societal standpoint. Women are allowed to be just as much of a jock as a guy. You know, mm -hmm. we hear so much about male athletes being one and done in basketball or moving around and transferring for football. And we've seen, you know, a quarterback maybe go to Ohio State as, as a, you know, a Ballyhood like kind of freshman, not get the play time. And all of a sudden you see him at like Texas or Arkansas or LSU or whatever the hell it's going to be. And if, if you're okay with that, then I think you have to sort of understand that women, especially in individual sports like, golf potentially like tennis like other things have every right and it's kind of cool to sort of see that if this is what they really want to do if they've got a dream of potentially being a professional golfer this is how they're going to pay the bills mm -hmm. then this is what it takes for them to get it done then yeah stay a fifth year yeah go ahead and transfer do whatever the heck you want i mean um it's it's a very small percentage of athletes that realistically have these opportunities if you're one of them and this is what you want, then chase the dream. Go ahead. There's no guarantee it's going to work. But I don't remember, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, hearing stories about female athletes in almost any sport transferring or deciding I'm going to stay a fifth year because I want to pursue this or I want to do that. Now, maybe they did. And I was just totally naive about it. Could totally be the case. But it's it's, I guess, just a tip of the hat to, to these women who really want to do this that badly. And I think it's awesome. I think it's great. So, oh, yeah. And the opportunities are there now, too. Right. I mean, 15 years ago, you, you would never have dreamed. I mean, five years ago, we would never have dreamed that 
they would be competing, female amateurs would be competing in Augusta National. I think yeah. this is a generation of women who grew up. I mean, I am in that generation of women who thought, you know, I'll never play that course and I'll never be on that course. You know, I'll never see that course. And that's probably still true for me. But <laughs> I think, you know, we all feel that way. And, and it's like, oh, now the door is open. Well, absolutely. I'm going to, you know, make that happen. Have you played Augusta National? Never have. I, uh, I hit the media lottery in 2009 after Angel Cabrera won his Masters, and um, it was really special. It there's there's a lot of stuff that like never lives up to the height. That one lives up to the height. I got to play it. Uh, I got to share my locker with they. I, they gave me the locker that Seve Basteros has oh, cool. in the Champions Locker. I got chills. It was it was crazy. Um, true story. I'm probably one of the few people that ever had to break out of the clubhouse at Augusta national, because after I finished, I explained to them, we got off the golf course. We're the last group. It had poured the last few holes we played. And um, I asked if I could shower and clean up because I was going to drive two and a half hours to Atlanta and catch a flight back to New York. And they're like, of, of course, Mr. Dusick, no problem. There's actually showers in the champion's locker. Just go there. So I go ahead, I clean up, I come out, I've got my stuff and I don't know where to sort of put things. It's the Monday after, and, and like there's nobody there. I'm wandering around. There's nobody in the clubhouse. The lights are off. I'm wandering around. I'm like, okay, I don't see anybody, but there are clearly must be security cams. Like someone is watching every step I'm taking. And I'm just like looking. I'm like, I tried a door. It was locked. I'm like, I am locked into the clubhouse. Forget trying to break in. I'm trying to break out of this place. Oh, man. Eventually, it all got worked out. Um, I hope that there's a media lottery for you. I don't know how they would do that after the ANWA because they've got the drive, chip, and putt going on on Sunday. But um, listen, I really appreciate you giving us a whole lot of time. What's the number one thing that you can't wait to do, can't wait to see once you get up to Augusta National Golf Club? I just can't wait to get to the first tee for Saturday morning. Like it was just so cool when you know, and I don't know, I haven't heard anything about if there's a ceremonial tee shot or not. Last last time we had, you know, the four godmothers of women's golf. You had Nancy Lopez and Annika and Lorena and, and Sayri. It was awesome. And then Bubba was there wearing his green jacket and, and watching. So cool. It was so cool. just like, it, it was, and everybody there was just pinching themselves and me included. Yeah. So I just, it's the coolest first team moment I've ever experienced. I can't wait to go again. Yeah. How much, how much are you going to blow in the merch tent? A lot. A month's salary. <laughs> I'm just, so, I don't know. I'm so going to try and be good, but you know. So do you, do, you, do you take Venmo? Because I'm not going to the Masters this year, and I need to get a couple of little little things. I may end, end up shooting you some some Venmo stuff. So listen, <laughs> travel safe. Enjoy some of This is quite a double. Seminole and Augusta National in the same week is a pretty good double. You know that, right? Yes, I do. It's, pretty, it's probably not going to get much better than this. I, uh, I realize that. No, it's probably going to be as good. We will be looking forward to seeing, Julie, everything that you write up there on golfweek.com. Thanks a lot. Travel safe and look forward to it. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.